on Tuesday. You are listening to Intentional Radio and the show or the podcast. Uh, Mindful Monday is with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. I am Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. And again, I welcome you. It is um, a very nice day in Southern California. Let me check the weather as it is right here in Inglewood. 78 degrees, sunny. Um, it's been really hot, um, but it looks like it's going to cool down and actually go to 78, 79, uh, this week. Um, but it's been, it's been, it's been incredibly hot. Um, the, the, um, well, we're in that back to school mode. That's definitely, uh, last week I, I'm, I'm still tired. <laughs> if you guys could see me, you would see how tired I look. It's all in my face. But, um, last week I did a three day orientation and a training one of the evenings. And I, my body is still done. D-O-N, stick a fork in me. But it was, I, I absolutely love my job and I absolutely love being able to go through the whole new student, new student orientation and giving the girls, um, the students, the opportunities to learn more about the school that they're going to be attending. And today, first day of classes. I also know that LA Unified started today, all the news this morning with all the, um, all the different sites of, of, of going to uh, different schools to say hello to the students and the parents, the superintendents, and so forth. Um, so LA Unified started today as well. I believe San Bernardino Unified started last week along with Riverside. I know one of them did. I remember seeing the news. So it is that time again, back to school. And I don't know what happened and when the transition happened that school starts in August now, <laughs> which is hilarious to me uh, because I know colleges would start in August and then everybody would start the day after or that week of Labor Day. But what I've been told is that a lot of the schools are starting, especially high schools, starting in August. So they kind of have a similar schedule to higher ed, meaning, well, I know at St. Mary's, as I was looking ahead, the students do their finals in December. When I went to school, we did finals in January, but that's also because we started in September. But in now we will be doing um, finals up until December 21st. I was kind of mad about that. I kind of wanted, you know, to get off at like the 16th, 17th, but nonetheless. Um, so we have finals up until the December 21st. And then we get the two weeks off. So I'll get my first two weeks off without having to take any vacation days. Yay. So excited. And I'm so excited. I get the whole week of Thanksgiving without having to take vacation days for the first time ever. Oh my God. Yay. So welcome back to K-12 and all the holidays that comes with it. But anyway, um, it's really interesting because I've been talking to folks here and there about where we are as far as, I'm changing the subject, COVID is concerned. And as we are still navigating through COVID, again, COVID is not over. We've actually added the monkeypox to the COVID situation, I guess, for lack of better words. But um, um, I know that, okay, I think I have a neighbor. I need to hold that thought. I have a neighbor that is yelling and I need to close my door because 
<laughs> let me let hey Miss Dorsey, Mrs. Dorsey, how are you today? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Um today was, you know, a very disconcerting day, but you know, things happen. Um this topic in itself has been very trying, very troubling at best. Um, because it brings back memories. It brings back memories of people that I know personally who have committed suicide and the people that currently continue to call and ask for assistance with this particular topic. But today, you know, we've got, we've gone through, uh, quite a bit in the last few days. Um, first starting with the reason why I chose this topic, which has been on my heart is because of the article that I read in JAMA, which is the Juvenile um, Association Medical Journal. And so in that, they basically said that um, this is a national emergency because of the increase in this age group, 12 to 17, of 50% suicides. Mm. That is alarming, very alarming. And so with that, that has just been my life's goal now is to talk about this and to educate people about this. Um, we've talked about in the first three shows, um, what is suicide? And then also I talked about the journal and the journal article and also the warning signs of suicide. We also talked about and actually just addressed some questions from the community. Some people had some very good questions that they addressed one from Kimberly Wells and the other from a longtime friend, Aretha. And so today I just want to wind it up, you know, and talk about the causes, first of all, causes of suicide. And then I also want to discuss suicide prevention. Now, because this topic is so exhaustive, you know, I don't, of course, I'm not covering everything, but I'm trying to hit the highlights, the important points. So I had, oh, I'm sorry. No, finish what you're going to say. See, one of the things that I got was how can we, or perhaps we can partner to do this as a workshop because I've gotten three people who said our parents need this information. Absolutely. Our black parents, our black and brown parents, because mm -hmm. the district doesn't sit down and talk about this with parents. You know, back to school night does not include things like this. And because we are losing our children right mm -hmm. and left, some of this could have been, might have been prevented if mm -hmm. parents knew the signs. And so I was asked directly, actually by three different people, which is crazy. What can we do, me and you? What can we do? Because I have the space, you know. I can always use uh, secondary gym, and we could, you know, you know, team up and and have you do something because I think that is the problem. It's not that we know that there are signs and things of that nature, but what it is is people are people don't talk about it. Number one, right? People are not making sure that parents know what to expect, and then of course it's too late once they find out. Right. Feel about that? And, yeah. And first, to address um, getting this information out, that is what my goal is to do: is to educate people, not only the parents, though, 
we have caretakers such as teachers, um, you being an educator yourself. Um, and then we have CBOs, community-based organizations, people that deal with a lot of our youth in various parts of their lives. Um, as a probation officer, that was one aspect of what we did as well. Um, and unfortunately, because they were forced so, you know, pretty much to do a lot of things like participate in therapy and then also address these issues they otherwise wouldn't have because it was a court order. But I, I want it to be an open forum uh, where people can ask questions and where the information can be provided because um, you said you made a, a comment that people know the signs. A lot of people don't know the signs. No, they know that yeah. there are signs. I'll just say that. They know that okay. there are signs. Yeah, so they know they that they know the signs. The, exactly. Thank you for correcting that. <laughs> um, because that's one of the major questions that I ask the parents that I speak to even now. Um, what is it that you're seeing? Or what do you think that is? And then the things that they come up with a lot of times have to do with Oh, they just want to get their way. They just want, they're just trying to get attention, et cetera. But then when you start educating them, then they become very alarmed, of course, and then want the assistance, which that's great. So we want to um, impart this information onto everybody um, and ask people just to share this, you know, invite neighbors, invite coaches, invite um, teachers, educators, and whomever, um, even uh, people in the church. Uh, so, um, I think it, the, the conversation has to be had. It's enough of keeping this a secret and considering this like a taboo subject where we cannot talk about this openly as though if we talk about it, then it's going to cause them to commit suicide. That is definitely a myth that is actually not true at all. So, um, and you're, and you're yeah. right about that. As I think back, um, my longest tenure would be uh, USC, where I spent 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the first three as, as a, a senior assistant admissions director. Um, and then the latter 17 being over the Black Cultural Center. So I dealt with everything. Parents calling me with that issue. And in that 17 years, as I'm thinking back, there, well, no, it's not in that 17 years, but since working in that and since working at USC, I know a black, one male, one female that committed suicide. And I, I had to think about that for a second. Something you just said made me think about that. And I was like, wait a minute, you mm-hmm. know, and I wasn't close enough to them to be in their circle to know if there were signs per se. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago. And that just happened earlier, last just last year, in August, July, August. And then the other happened while I was at USC, a young man um, who, you know, you think when you see people, they appear to be okay. Great. And how, you know, what they, you know, why did they commit suicide? He had a hit TV show. And I'm trying to think of his name right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, goodness. He played um, Joan Jet jo, uh, Jet Jet. Oh. oh, the young Joe Jet Jessen or something like. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Can I get the title correct? Him, I knew him personally, and when that when that hit me, I, I damn near fell out my chair at work. I just was oh, like, wow. 
because he was on Rizzoli and Isles. I don't know if you okay. watched that show. No, um, I didn't watch I've, I've heard of it. He's one of the um, investigators on Rizzoli and Isles. Mm-hmm. I, I, for whatever reason, his name is escaping me. I can see his face just as good. But he committed suicide. And it was just like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, you would think that someone who has a TV show or whatever, you would think that they're successful, that they wouldn't be contemplating things like that. And you never know. So that is why when we're talking about this as an um, epidemic between the 12 and 17 year olds, you know, this high school or these are, are these school age versus a college age student, a whole other set of structures. You just never, you just never know. And I think that's probably why I got, you know, three different calls from three different random people that just happened to text me and heard the show. And we do something. You need to, so that we, I'll come in, you know, I'll tell my friends. But we, we we don't know. And I was like, wow. Well, I'm definitely um, all for that. We'll talk later about how to set that up. And I'm just um, encouraged to know that other people are actually hearing the information and understand that it is vital that we get this word out. I want to address something you said. Um, a lot of times people think because people have this persona of being you know, being um, successful in life um, and they seem happy, but we don't know what people are dealing with internally. So that's the reason why I want to address a lot of the concerns that causes the signs, because a lot of times we don't know. Um, I've actually, as a, an experienced therapist, have talked to people who were right in my face, smiling, and, and I did, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. until I started to, you know, get deep into their um, history and find out a lot of things about them. So we can't just, um, you know, determine that a person is happy so they should be, you know, okay, why did they commit suicide? Right. When you start thinking about the correlates, one of them being underlying mental health issues. Some of them are having have had mental health issues which is a major contributor to suicide, which we'll get in detail about a little bit later. And I put it out there because I know people think that. I don't believe it. You know, I, I, I understand because of our lives work and that's not the case, but I put that out there because people assume that. And then when something happens, it's like, huh? Well, right. they were and they were that. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. He was a star basketball player. He was a star mm-hmm. football player. What do you mean? Yeah. Yes, but that could have been going on for years. You know, that suffering, that anxiety, that depression, all of those different components um, that over time, and then you start, um, when they're in a situation where they start hearing voices, which we didn't talk a lot about, um, auditory hallucinations, that means just hearing voices, voices that they think are real. And sometimes when they get to the point where they start speaking about it, they'll say, did you hear that? Did you hear what he said to me? And you're like, who? Wow. Um, so to them, yeah, those voices are real. Those voices are telling them, go hang yourself, go cut yourself. You know, you, you are worthless. Nobody cares about you. And when you hear that so often in your own mind and it starts to become reality to you, then you act upon it. So that's why we, as parents, as neighbors, family members, loved ones, spouses, et cetera, 
we have to be cognizant of these type of things so that when our loved ones are going through this, then we can help them. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get into because I, I really don't want to miss any part of what I'm going to talk about tonight because this is like yeah. the, the final show, but I want to get to it <laughs> so because it's, it's vital to everything that I talked about before. So I'm going to talk tonight about the causes of suicide. So those that are listening, if you have a pad, piece of paper, um, pen, et cetera, it's important for you to start taking down this information. Um, I will at the end of the show also give you um, a link or information on how to gather this information if you miss some part of the show. Mm. So once a comprehensive physical exam and a mental health assessment have been completed, then there has to be a diagnosis, which will be made by the treating clinician. So we use the word clinician, and that means psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists. We all are trained to give a diagnosis of our, of our clients. And so what we do is once we complete that uh, complete assessment, which we call a psychosocial diagnostic assessment, that's really not important. That's just what we call it. Um, so we're, we're gathering information about personal history, family background, school, you know, um, psych, psychological background. And so after we gather all this information, which usually takes about an hour and a half, two hours, we use what's called a DSM. Have you ever heard of the DSM that psychiatrists use, psychologists? So I have one. I'm sorry, I'm turning my back on you, but I think it's on the shelf here. Uh, if not, I'll get it later. But it's a really thick, at least three and a half inch uh, manual that we use. Diagnostic Statistics Manual. And so it's revised probably every two to three years because there are some, uh, some uh, mental health conditions that were in the DSM before, but they have removed them. Or sometimes they will add some that weren't in there before. Prime example, um, years ago, I would say I think it was DSM-4, is when they removed this diagnosis for um, people that were considered um, gay, for instance, lesbians. That was consider, uh, considered a mental illness for years Very until good. recently. Yes, that was diagnosed as a mental illness. So they moved that one out. Uh, no longer considered a diagnosis. So it changes a lot. And that's why it's important for us as clinicians to know what's in our DSM-5, what's considered a mental health issue. Um, and so after we diagnose them, um, we just then determine what's the best type of treatment. Sometimes a treatment can be therapy, like talk therapy. Um, and then if it's real severe, like if you have a condition like bipolar, then of course, you would have to have that talk therapy along with uh, medication because that helps control that diagnosis, that issue. Now, um, the type of things that we gather for the psychosocial history that I was talking about, uh, we consider the previous and the current suicide attempts. So that's very important to know if there is a history of suicide attempts. They may be coming to you at the moment saying, yeah, I'm feeling suicidal, but it's like, how long have you been dealing with this? So what we call the onset 
That's what we call the onset and the frequency of it. Like how many times have you done this before? And then we also ask what type of means have you used? Have you, um, you know, car, we don't actually just ask you, have you done this? Have you done that? We'll say, well, what have you done? What type, what did you do when you tried to commit suicide? So usually you will hear they try to hang themselves. That is um, a major one. Um, they use anything from ropes to sheets to cords. Um, and I think you're, I don't know if you remember this story I was telling you about how there was a, um, and it's kind of like off topic a little bit, but not when they had the challenge, the suicide challenge on TikTok. So a lot of the youth were using the same thing. They were using ropes and using stools. They were telling exactly what to do, how to do it. And so, of course, you had all those youth who were doing that one nine-year-old um, boy the father was in one of the training classes I had. I was teaching about suicide in a juvenile facility. And he shared this story with me. And um, he told me that it was, I think he said it was his nephew. And so he, of course, saw the TikTok video, took the challenge. And that's the one I told you where the sister went inside the closet looking for She Well, actually, she was calling his name. He wasn't answering, so she went inside the closet. And when she opened the door, because it swung inward, it hit the stool, knocked her brother off the stool. Now, mind you, she's like five or six years old. He's dangling from the... She, and she's trying to save him. She's screaming. Nobody can hear her. She's just like this. She's in a panic. And unfortunately, by the time they got there, the nine-year-old boy died all because of this challenge and that's why these things are so important we need to know what our kids are watching especially on social media because of these type of things um and then getting back to the mental health conditions um that we inquire about so we already talked about previous current suicide attempts what type of means sometimes it could be pills it can be uh, a razor scissors Sometimes they'll use a stapler. They'll use all kinds of things to cut on themselves. And then psychiatric hospitalizations. How many times have you actually been admitted into a psychiatric hospital? And then once we find that out, we find out where it was and then find out. It's, I'm telling you, it's very comprehensive. Find out how long they've been there. What were they diagnosed with? And then you start to see the pattern. And that's the whole purpose of this. Um, were there any medications prescribed? What are the current or past diagnoses? I already talked about that. And then, very important, have your parents dealt with this? Do they have a history of mental illness? Have, do your siblings? Um, also, what are the behaviors at school and what are they at home? Because those usually determine what type of diagnosis also you're going to give your client. And then finally, what are your current cognitions what are you thinking right now are you currently suicidal because we don't want them to walk out of our office asking all these other questions but not asking are you suicidal right now so we ask are you suicidal or homicidal because sometimes they go together as we have seen in the news so we also want to address the physical health conditions this is very important a lot of people don't know that Suicidal thinking 
is linked to underlying physical health problems. So they mimic mental health issues. So we we send them to the doctor, the medical doctor, who will rule out or diagnose whether there is an existing mental, uh, excuse me, a physical health condition. And so you may need to take blood tests and other additional tests to determine whether this is the case. Um, I, some of them that mimic mental health conditions are chronic fatigue syndrome. Have you heard of that? You yes. feel tired all the time. And then Lyme disease. I didn't even know that was one of them until recently. Thyroid disease. That Lyme? Lyme, L-Y-M-E. You know, like that comes from ticks. When ticks bite you. Uh, syphilis, which is a common one. Obstructive sleep apnea. And then also there's a neuroendocrine tumor. It's like a genetic mutation. So it's a mutation of your genes. Wow. So these are the kind of things that when you have them, they look like, they may look like bipolar, they may look like some other type of mental health, but the doctor, after taking all these exams, will determine whether or not, oh no, this is just a physical condition, it's not mental. So um, another thing that we look at also is alcohol and drug misuse. So for many people, alcohol or drugs play a major role in their suicidal thinking. As a matter of fact, I would say the majority of my clients, if I had to give a percentage, 98% of them said they were under the influence of some type of drug when they tried to commit suicide. Um, so your doctor will want to know whether you have any problems with alcohol or drugs. Again, going back to history, how old were you when you first started using? We have some kids that are as young as eight, nine years old when they start using drugs, smoking marijuana drinking alcohol, beer, even the heart liquor. Um, and then are there any kind of issues such as binging or being unable to cut back or quit using alcohol? So they may say, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, but I've been struggling with it. That's a red flag. Oh, they've been struggling this for a last long time. Yeah, they may have an issue with drug use or alcohol use. And then many people who feel suicide need treatment to help them stop using alcohol or drugs to reduce their suicidal feelings. So we'll address that issue first because we can't address the suicide until we address what's causing it, the underlying condition, which is the alcohol use or the drug use. Um, because many of the drugs will cause you to feel depressed. So when you're in a depressed state, what are you thinking about? Possibly committing suicide. Then those thoughts start coming over you know, ruminating in the mind, starting all over again. Any questions? No, I'm done. Okay. And then so finally, medications. So in some people, there are certain prescriptions or over-the-counter drugs that can cause suicidal feelings. Hmm. So you must tell your doctor. And that's why the doctor does like an extensive background, like what kind of, you may see it a hundred times every time you go. But there may be a time you're using something different that may be affecting your mental health. So that's why they have to access. They have to do a screening, a, a real thorough screening. You have to tell your doctor about your medications that you take um, to see whether or not they're linked to your suicidal thinking. 
so with suicide prevention, it is very important. We're going into now that prevention of suicide. It is very important to know the side effects of drugs that have been prescribed to you or your children. Sometimes people, they'll say, you know what? I've been feeling a little depressed. I'm feeling a little sad. Do you have any kind of medications to give me? And sometimes people will give other people their medications. You cannot do that. People, please stop doing that. Because a lot of times what works for you will not work for me. Everybody's different. So there has to be a, a major screening that goes on. And if you're taking some other type of medication, coupled with this other medication that you're not even prescribed to, then it can cause a negative reaction and sometimes lead to death. Very important. So I want to share this research by, um, they call it U, U Chicago Medicine. And so pretty much what they do, they test various medications to find out what the effects of them are. And so in November, on November 4th of 2019, they reviewed 922 prescriptions that were taken by almost 150 million people. And this is over an 11 year period. So this is like a, a very large longitudinal study. And so they uncovered that 10 of them were associated with an increased rate of suicide. Mm. When I read that, that, that really alarmed me because a lot of times medications are taken for various reasons, but if you don't know the side effects of them and you take these things and then you start wondering like, why am I feeling like this? You know, you start questioning certain things, but you don't question your doctor <laughs> because sometimes a doctor may not even know. So you have to bring that to your doctor's attention. You start to feel if you're a person that's, that's always happy, outgoing, energetic, and then all of a sudden you have the opposite feeling after you start taking medication, go back to that doctor okay. and let them do another screening because more than likely they're going to either take you off that medication or you know, prescribe a, a different medication for your condition. And see, and that part right there requires you also to be in tune to yourself. Absolutely. And that's why it's important for you. We're busy doing everything that we're not in tune to our own things and not even realizing that we're killing, we could be killing ourselves and don't even know it. That's so true. I'll say, um, I don't mind. I, I'm sure my mom, I don't know if she's listening, but if she is, I'm going to get, I'm going to use her as an example. But it's um it has, it's not a mental illness situation, but it was a physical issue. She was taking uh, medication for, and because she was taking it for one condition and not knowing that she actually was, how can I say this? I'll just say, I'll just say this. It was for um, hypertension. Mm -hmm. So obviously the, the medication is for high blood pressure. And so because she wasn't taking her, pressure every day like she she's supposed to at that particular time her pressure was low but then she was taking high blood pressure so it had the opposite effect to her and it started to affect her in ways that she didn't know what was going on and thank god she had the you know the the insight to say i need to go see my doctor and so the doctor said stop taking the medication this immediately um because it was causing that conditions for her to feel faint and feeling like something just wasn't feeling right. 
And it's the same thing with the, um, what we call psychotropic medication that's given to you for mental illness. So in addition to in this research, they found that 44 drugs were identified with the potential, the potential to prevent suicide attempts. Okay. Now that's, that was interesting too. So 44 drugs of this 922 has a potential to prevent suicide attempts, including many with an, a black box label from the FDA warning of their association with suicidal behavior. So the FDA said one thing, but yet in this study for 11 years, they found out 44 of these drugs can be helpful in preventing suicide. Go figure. Also, including in this study with these drugs, that there was a decrease in suicide. And these are other drugs such as folic acid. Have you ever heard of that? Folic yeah. acid before? Yes, yeah, it's, it's normally used as a simple vitamin often prescribed to uh, pregnant women. Mm-hmm. And then also, they didn't name these next two I'm going to tell you, but one of them was an antihistamine. Okay, that also was found to help prevent suicide, the thoughts of suicide. And then a Parkinson's drug as well had the same effect. And then finally, there were 10 drugs that show a statistically significant increase in suicide attempts that are commonly given, and I'll just say this, in my field of psychiatry, these pills that I'm going to, to name to you are currently, and even in the medical field as well. So one of them is Vicodin, which is normally used for painkiller. Xanax. Wait, this is the list that does what? These are the ones that shows an increase in, in suicide attempts if you use them. Increase, gotcha. An increase, correct. Xanax is another one, which is an anti-anxiety drug. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Valium, which um, usually treats anxiety, alcohol withdrawal, and seizures. So that's why it's important for you to be informed. When you start taking these medicines, they give you these pamphlets to read. <laughs> and a lot of it is just like, huh, okay, why would I want to take this medicine if it's giving me more um, side effects than what I'm coming to the doctor with? I look at, I, and whenever a doctor prescribes me anything, I just read it. Uh, it may take me, what, 15 minutes or so. That's, you know, but that's your life. Cause you don't want to put your life in jeopardy. So it's important, especially when you have young children whose, um, systems are not, um, you know, uh, strong enough to be able to deal with these type of medications. So you're going to have those after effects or the side effects. <laughs> So I want to talk to about, um, we talked about the research and now we're going to talk about being informed. That's important. I talked about that reading any of your labels on any medication. If it's not on there, you have the right as a patient to ask your doctor, what are the side effects, the common side effects? Many times they'll tell you or they'll direct you to some type of pamphlet and give you the literature, it's important for you to know what they are. So read the latest literature on suicide and participate in, in events such as this one. Um, go, You can go to YouTube. They have many, 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 
many um, videos on this subject. Some are good, some are bad. Uh, but I always say go to the experts because they know. Um, so, and then of course, if you know of a therapist that you can talk to or which I'm going to get to the end, I'll show you some links you can go to and also some hotlines that you can call. And then also be proactive. This is really important because this is your life. Like you were talking about, we have to take action and do what's going to help us, right? Because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? So being proactive means taking action. Once you see some warning signs, if you start noticing that you're sleeping a lot or you're feeling like this melancholy kind of attitude, you're feeling sad, don't want to eat. And then you start thinking about, wow, when's the last time I took a shower? Because that's one of them too. Um, or you start drinking a lot when you never used to drink before or you drank, but you know, when you're in isolation, you're drinking a lot more using drugs, those type of things. And then another thing I would say is keep important information handy, such as the hotline information that I gave up last time. I'm going to give it out again. Or names of people that you know you can call on in the middle of the night. And you say, you know what? I'm having these thoughts again. I need you to talk to me. Some people say, I need you to pray, pray for me. Call your priest, call your pastor. Call someone that's important or close to you in those times. And so, so any questions before I go on? No, this is, this is, <laughs> we need this. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to close it out with this, um, getting help. This seems to be the most difficult part for most people. Just actually understanding, first of all, I have a problem. It's okay to say, I have a problem. I need to ha I need to address this. I need to call my general physician and ask for a referral to a therapist. Just allow them to just have that first initial visit with you, have that discussion to find out what's going on because this very action could save your life or the life of your child or the life of a loved one. So warning signs, like we were talking about before, aren't always obvious. And they may vary from person to person. So you may see some people who look despondent or act despondent or acting, you know, they may see the eyes might be glossy. You know, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Because usually that's a sign somebody's under the influence or something. Um, it's like, are you using? Because I'll ask people flat out, are you using? Have you had some alcohol or drugs? Um, not to be disrespectful or anything, you know, you can pull them to the side and talk to them. We just tell them I'm just concerned. Um, and that some people make their intentions clear, like I said, while others keep suicidal thoughts and feelings secret. And that, those are the ones where we, we hear about somebody because we see this happen, especially on TV. There's a persona that you're this big superstar and you have all these riches and you got all this. Like, why should you be upset? <laughs> but again, it has nothing to do with what we acquired. It's about who we are internally. How do we feel about ourselves? When we grew up, did we grow up in the household where we were always told we were nothing? Were we abandoned? Were we mistreated? You know, was there some type of rape or molestation 
physical abuse, emotional abuse. These are the kind of things you have to understand because sometimes people just don't tell anybody about that and they think they can deal with it. And they go through life with layers and layers and layers of stuff that they have not addressed. All this trauma. And then, you know, we probably have to do a whole nother uh, segment on on trauma when we talk, you know, to these parents who live in these neighborhoods who, who see trauma every day. That's a whole nother subject that a lot of people are dealing with and that affect people mentally. So I want to share um, about getting help. We talked a little bit about this too. I think I'm going to share these three again in case somebody did not receive this. So if you need to uh, write this down, please get a pen, piece of paper. You never know who may need this information. So the first one is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that's a toll-free number at 800-273 and the word TALK, T-A-L-K. I'll say it again. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-TALK. The other one is the Crisis Text Line. All you have to do is text hello, the word hello. It can be lowercase, it can be uppercase, it doesn't matter. And you text it to 741-741. And then we talked about NAMI last time, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Please go to their website. They have a wealth of information on suicide or any mental um, health issues. And you can go to their website at HTTPS colon and two forward slash the word NAMI N-A-M-I dot O-R-G and their number, their help, they call it the helpline. So their helpline is 800-950-6264. And I had another one. I think it was 988. You just text 988, which is the newest one, more very recent one from NAMI in about a week. They've established this new line. It's a national line. Nine, just text 988. And then you will get in contact with someone who can walk you through and talk you through any thoughts of suicide, any contemplation, whatever you need. They will give you the support that you need. And I say it's very important that you utilize these services. Again, if now the kids are back into school, now you can go to your psychologist, your school. You can go to your school counselor if you don't remember who to ask. And then they can direct you say, I'm having these issues. I just had a parent that just passed away. Because here again, we're still in the pandemic, right? People are still dying, y'all. People think this pandemic is over. But people are still dying, and these young kids are still dealing with this, being left with no parents, having to be either placed in a system that really doesn't know them or with a parent, I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, an extended family member. 
And so their life has just been turned upside down. So guess what? Of course, they're going to have some issues with feeling sad, feeling depressed, unwanted, etc. Another thing, I talked about um, our clergy men or clergy women in the church. Many of them also have degrees or have certificates in counseling, especially on these type of subjects. So you can contact them as well. And I wanted to talk, if we, do we have a moment to talk about a couple more questions? Yeah, go ahead. Um, also, I wanted to give out the phone number for um, Intentional Talk Radio um, for those who might be listening and have questions. That way they're not blowing up each of our sales. <laughs> they can go directly to the station and then they will let me know. And then that way, if we have enough questions, we can bring you back. Okay, thank you. Questions, you know, that number is 682-710-1101, And that way um, we can, if you, you text out your questions and then we'll be able to pull the questions because that's for all of the shows. So then yeah. we'll be the questions that specifically are about the topic we're discussing today mm-hmm. and we can have you back where you're just you know we're just taking the questions and you're just basically answering the questions and or giving the resources in order to get those particular get particular questions answered but I, I still yeah. go back to being able to do something for our community here in Southern California in the LA area I think that would definitely could be a great start but go absolutely ahead. And I actually, I wanted to give out my um, business phone too, because oh, the last yeah. time when I gave it out, somebody called me too. And I appreciate that. They know if they're listening, they know who I'm talking about. But um, my business phone, uh, that's okay. Yeah. So my business phone is 323-599-0440. And this is Mind for Wellness. That's M-I-N-D, which is a separate word, and then the number four, and then another word, wellness, mindful wellness. And then also um, on Facebook, if you want to contact me there, you can message me there as well. Um, and just go to mindful wellness, or you can go to mind, M-I-N-D, and then the word S-H-R-I-N-K. I have resources on there as well. And again, folks who are listening, um, Mrs. Dorsey is trained. She just, she, she's retired from all of this and now she's focused on her individual organization, which is mind the number four wellness. Mm-hmm. And yes. is a trained, um, psychologist per se, um, mm-hmm. and has dealt with this for many of you. And so I will give that number out again, three, two, three. Five nine nine zero four zero. So especially if you have direct concerns about suicide and direct questions about suicide, then I, I would say to call this number, um, the Mind for Wellness, because she is she is trained and will be able to give you um, some insight and some resources directly that deals with your particular situation. So again, that number three two three. Five nine nine zero four four zero. Mind or wellness. 
Okay, someone's saying, somebody's, te- it looks like my mother was texting me. I'm sorry, it came up so quickly. <laughs> mom, if you're listening, hello. Thanks Hi, for listening here. And to everybody else that's listening in. But I just want to share with you um, a story, if you don't mind, of someone that I've known for, oh, wow, I would say the last 12 years or so. And she called me about one of her, it's not really a grandchild, it's a great niece who has a child who was, I think, uh, four or five years old. And so she started to describe some behaviors about this kid before she told me what the kid said to her, her mother. And so once she, when she was talking to me and what we do as therapists many times is that we, we start to analyze. I analyze a lot. I start thinking about, okay, this could be, this could be that. And then you ask a lot of questions to find out, well, how long has this been going on? Well, this, this little girl was only five years old, but she was presenting with all these different behaviors, like things you would see probably a 12 or 13 year old do. And I'm talking more specifically like sexual type innuendos. Um, and, and somebody's probably wondering like, why is she talking about that? It's because there's a lot of youth that have been molested. There's even some adults that are probably listening in that have been molested as well. And, um, again, have not addressed that issue. And what happens is with people that have not addressed this particular trauma, it ends up being some, it ends up turning into something like a mental illness, um, because you start experiencing the depression, the, um, the use of alcohol, the drug use, um, and just all these different disruptive type behaviors, the anger, that's a, a large um, population of people deal with the anger because underlying that is that hurt because of somebody taking advantage of them when they were just a child. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the adults don't even have this issue addressed. They don't address their issues. So it's like a big cycle. Mm-hmm. And then if you sometimes you look at families and you'll see generations back of this type of thing going on, which then you start to see another cycle of suicide. And you start asking them, have they ever committed suicide? Yeah, my uncle so-and-so did. And then you find out, oh, you start to see the connection. So when you have all these different dynamics going on in the family that have been like taboo, have been swept under the cover that have not been addressed. Then these are the kind of disruptive behaviors you see people doing things. You're like, what, why are this person acting like this? When you start to ask what their history is like, then you start to find out what's going on with them personally. And it all starts to make sense. So getting back to this five-year-old, some things I'm not going to say on air because they're really descriptive. And even for me, thinking that I've heard a lot of my 30 plus years in probation as well as dealing with mentally ill youth, I have, you know, I really felt for that child. I wanted to say, can you bring this child to me? Because what mom kept doing was putting the kid in the room. 
instead of addressing the issue. You're making this stuff up. This is not true. And this is the worst thing you can do as a parent is to tell that child that they're lying because there's a chance that child could not be lying. And some of the things that these children talk about at that age, it has to be something that somebody did to them. How can a two, three, or even a four, five-year-old say this and this happened to me and so-and-so did this to me when many times the mother or the caregiver already knows that this person has done this before. They know that they've heard that they've heard of something happening before. It may have been to their own child or it could have been to a neighbor. And then here we are, you got, now you got grandkids in the family and it's still happening. You got to stop this cycle because I'm telling you, there's a large majority of these youth in this age group that I'm talking about, 12 to 17, that have dealt with those kind of things and that are now committing suicide. And, um, you know, we have, we just have to be better gatekeepers. That's all I have to say about that. Be better gate- gatekeepers. And communicators. Be- oh, definitely communicators. Obviously that, yeah, that's very important. Just even if you just say, do you want to talk? That may be the first time that somebody's even said that to them. Like, you know, can we talk? I had a young lady that I used to talk to a lot and I saw a lot of the behaviors and I would talk to her just a little bit at a time because she was really young. She was six years old and she would just do certain things. She would walk a certain way. She would talk a certain way. And it was just, you know, for someone like 10 times, I won't say 10 times, but 10 years beyond um, her age. And so eventually I just said to her, you know, I noticed such and such and such, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Do you feel like talking? And then she began to tell me everything about her father and what he did about her mother, not believing her. I mean, it's a six year old, very proficient. She talked very well. Um, and so after investigating it, I found out everything she said was true. But guess what? Nothing ever happened to that person because they never reported the person. It was pretty much get out of my house and that's it. So um, we have to not only be gatekeepers for our children, but also we have to be proactive in what we do to make sure our children are safe not only from predators, but also with mental illness. It's real. And, to, and when you start going back in your history and your background, I had a conversation with a um, high school friend actually recently, and she was telling me about this young, okay, the story, some people that know me and know live in the community know who I'm talking about, so I'm not going to definitely say the name. But this was, there was, he was a grown man, and we were in high school. And so every time I would go, to high school, we would all walk down the same street. As soon as I get to this particular street and this traffic light, this man would come behind me and he would sniff me, just sniffing. And then he'll reach out like he's going to touch me. And I'll say, get away from me. You know, it was just what I dealt with almost every day. And so one time after he did his sniffing and trying to touch me, he actually touched me on my buttocks. 
And I just turned around before I knew it. I turned around and I hit the man and hit him in his face. And he started laughing. Um, this man was doing this type of behavior for years in our community. And everybody kept saying, oh, you know, he's a little off and this or that. Nobody reported him to the police until eventually what happened was somebody's brother or father, I can't remember who it was, he offended them. And the next time I saw that man, he looks like his eyes were swollen and black eyes. He had all kinds of scars and everything on him. So this was a man who obviously had mental illness. It was never addressed. And so he kept offending um, all of the youth in the in the neighborhood, all the females in the neighborhood for years. This kind of stuff cannot keep going on. And I'm hoping now that we're in 2022, people are more cognizant of these kind of things and they become more proactive and just protect our children, save our children. Wow. So they can be healthy adults. Yes. And, and, and it's, I mean, and I don't know if it's just that now that I'm in K-12 environment and I just did a training with a three-hour training. <laughs> with <laughs> After doing a whole day of orientation, I had to do a three-hour training, virtuous training on this, on, on not necessarily suicide, but a lot of this can lead to suicide when you're trying to identify changes in your students. When you're working around students and you have a classroom and you start knowing the student's personality and all of a sudden, like you said, they're quiet or they're doing something mm-hmm. different. It's like, you know, take the time to ask the question. Take the time to find out if something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing some of the things that I learned. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I only have three minutes, but just, just because you were talking about that. So the guy came and it was like 30 of us, different people, coaches, other teachers or whatever, who had to take this training or new teachers that take this training. And he gave us some website. I don't have the notes in front of me. And which, in which you put your zip code in and you can find out how many sexual. All the predators. Yes. So I did that in my neighborhood. I was like, oh my God. He put the zip code to St. Mary's Academy, which is 90301. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I was stuck. 50, yeah. 50, a little bit over 5,200. Mm-hmm. Registered. I, just sat there and I was just like, wait. And I raised my hand. I said, okay, did you say 5,200? I said, and those are the people who've been taught. Are registered. Had yeah. to register. We're not even talking about John Doe. Who exactly. On you on the corner. Yeah. You're walking to school or walking home from school every day. Mm-hmm. The ones that have that have not been caught. These are the ones that's been caught, sentenced, done time, yeah. maybe, and mm-hmm. are are registered. And, Absolutely. And, and so, what, and and the whole thing was called protect our children. So when you're working with that K twelve level, like all these things are just like, oh my god, this is so crazy and so deep. And again, even though we were talking about sexual predator, whatever, those types of feelings of of being attacked. Lead can lead to suicide. Absolutely. And so all tied together, unfortunately. Yes. And we we definitely we're gonna have to go to dinner because we have to go to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Your treat. No. (laughs) Gotta go to dinner and figure out how we can do this because I'm sure that I can offer the gym at St. Mary's and maybe it might be full of people. 
once they, you know, because the school districts are not doing this. Yes. Taking the time to educate the parent. And mm-hmm. that parent continues to send their child to the school, not knowing that there's other underlying things happening because A, they choose to, A, they either choose to ignore it or B, they just mm-hmm. don't know. So anyway, yeah. it's six o'clock. We've got our, our yeah. host for the next show. Mr. Godwin, um, is, is, is on soon, ready to go. Um, this has been a very interesting topic that is, that is real people, a real mm-hmm. topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and a phenomenon that is just unfortunately in huge numbers. So we will definitely um definitely get back. Um I'll give this number one more time and then I'm gonna turn it over to Godwin. My the number four well three two three five nine nine zero four four zero. This is Mrs. Yoshi Dorsey and her organization that now that she has retired, she can concentrate on what she wants to concentrate on, which is helping our <laughs> community. Yeah. She wants to concentrate on, which is helping <laughs> our community. So, Mr. Godwin, how are you on today? And thank you, Mrs. Dorsey, Mrs. Miyoshi. I appreciate you. Bye. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Bye, Mr. Godwin. Yes, I can't wait to grow up and finally do what I want to do, too. Right? Can we do what we want to do, right? (laughs) So I will hand you over to your show. I'm a minute over, so I apologize for that. But I appreciate you being patient enough to smile and 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 give me the, okay, Corliss, that's enough. So you've been listening to um, Intentional Talk Radio, Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. And now I am going to hand it over to... um, uh, give a little a musical break here to switch shows, and then we're gonna give that right over to you, Mr. Godwin. So give, her, give her about give her about five seconds to just do a little switchy, and uh, and I'm signing off. Take care, everybody, from Mindful Monday.